The Leadership Show with Andy Pack. It's great to welcome you to this weekly look at leadership as we aim to support Christian leaders and all looking to use their influence where God has placed them, which hopefully includes you. It is said that the church leader typically keeps their eye on the ABC of church life. A, attendance, B, buildings and C, cash. The comment is sometimes made rather sarcastically because, of course, too often the church is missing the equally important elements of D and E, namely discipleship and evangelism. Of course, during COVID, any such metrics went out of the window. Attendance figures were replaced by logins to online church, if indeed the church was online. Uh, The buildings were largely out of use and cash would only continue to flow if the members had signed up to regular giving through a bank transfer. But it's the cash side we're going to be focusing on in this show. As we recover from the COVID years, many congregations report they're still down on attendance and income. The Evangelical Alliance reported one survey suggesting attendance was maybe 30% lower than before COVID, as some continue to be nervous of in-person gatherings, and some, it would seem, have lost the habit of church attendance. And with some unemployment or reduced incomes, cash is hard to come by with some church staff on reduced hours or let go altogether. So it seems high time that we looked at the subject of stewardship on the Leadership Show. And I'm delighted to welcome back John Truscott. John is a church consultant and trainer who champions the Ministry of Creative Organisation. His website is a mine of useful information for management and leadership, including some thoughtful and challenging words on the subject of stewardship. So welcome back, John, to the Leadership Show. Thanks, Andy. It's good to be here. Um, So your brief biography for those who don't know you? Uh, Very briefly, um, I've been in some form of church administration or church operations for most of my adult life, and I'm passionate about that. Uh, I was uh, on a Christian mission in a Christian mission agency for uh, for four or five years uh, in looking after the organization of an office. Then I was what would now be called a church operations manager. That, that title hadn't been invented in those days. I go back a long way uh, for three years. And because that was so new, people started asking me how did how did such a person help a church? And so I then set up something called Ad Ministry, which was uh, an organization, to really help all churches rediscover what the gifts of administration looked like and how this might work out. It started off with just me. It grew to about five or six of us in about 18 years. And then in 1999, I came out of that and believe God was calling me to go solo. And I've been an independent church consultant and trainer on operations and issues to do with that ever since. But I'm still just, I hope, as excited about the subject as I ever was. Well, that's brilliant. I sense that in your voice as we're as we're chatting. Um, obviously, our topic is crucially important, uh, and maybe for some church leaders, at the very top of their concerns. Um, I interviewed Bishop Rose Hudson Wilkin recently, Bishop of Dover, and asked her what the biggest challenges were in the area of Kent where she serves. She said finances were her top concern. Uh, you've mentioned that you work with many local churches. Would you agree that? Falling finance is an issue for many local churches or just some, or how would you judge the situation? Oh, some stroke many, but it's a, it's a bit more nuanced than that. Can I just sort of yeah, please dig do. into it a little bit? Um, for churches, as you say, who've got their giving sorted out with standing orders, and some churches have got 90, 95% of their giving coming in through regular um, gifts in that way. And if the 
area has not suffered a major hit in unemployment and things like that, then giving has held up pretty well because it's all come in automatically during lockdown. The fact that church wasn't operating on a Sunday in person didn't matter. Churches that really rely on cash offerings or envelopes, uh, they have suffered. But everybody has suffered in one other way, and that's through lettings income. I'm finding a lot of churches saying to me that uh, if lettings income for their buildings in some way was a significant part of their income, that has suffered and isn't going back to the levels it was at. And I think many organisations are thinking of new ways of meeting. And therefore, although lettings is coming back again now, it won't be probably to the same level. So it's, it's a mixed picture across. Certainly church leaders, uh, certainly pastors, those employed by the church have typically found it very difficult to communicate about stewardship issues because they feel like the congregation thinks it's a veiled threat or a veiled plea for help uh, because obviously their own salary is dependent on the giving of the church. Do you think that's still the case, that people are more and more reluctant to, to communicate these issues? I think that British people, if I can use that term, um, are quite squeamish in the Christian world about giving. We don't talk about it very much. We don't talk about hell. We don't talk about giving. (laughs) Um, And it's thought to be a private issue. And therefore, a minister, a pastor, uh, preaching a fully uh, sort of challenging sermon on giving to him or her sounds like fundraising. And I think for many Christian leaders, they want to avoid that that link with rattling a tin sort of feel to things. We may come on to much more about discipleship in a minute. Um, So I think there is an embarrassment. Uh, Just to give an example of what I think works at my own church, which is a small to medium Anglican church, we've just had a mini series on giving in January, uh, three sermons, but none of them given by the minister. So there were two readers, one retired vicar, and we've, I was one of those and uh, as a reader, and we've been able to let rip, if you like, on challenge because we get no benefit as a result of that. I think it is the responsibility of ministers to preach on the subject. It's a subject we ought to preach on. But I can understand the hesitation that many of them have. Do you think Christians are naive when it comes to finances in church and charities, almost as if they assume it's Christian so it should be free? I've been up against this for most of my adult career. Um, It's interesting. We think nothing of paying the going rate for certain types of people. So if you have an architect in to design a new building for you, um, that architect is paid at the standard rate. If a plumber comes in to sort out your plumbing in church, we pay without thinking the standard rate. If you have another Christian coming in to advise on your staffing or structures, and like myself, and we charged at that same rate, it would be an awful lot more money than most churches are prepared to pay. And I think the issue is is of time. It's the cost of time. Uh, And that's where churches can be naive. And they just don't realise how much time costs. Uh, John, typically the the number one issue for for Christians 
when it comes to giving is to tithe or not to tithe. Um, some are in churches where the principle of giving 10% of your income is, is almost close to the divinity of Christ as a cardinal belief. <laughs> but others would argue it's a little bit more complicated. Where, where do you see the biblical principles that we need to consider? Not just tithing, is it? No. <sighs> tithing is an Old Testament principle. It is fully biblical, but it's not in the New Testament. And if we go back, it is actually a taxation system. Uh, and then people gave free will offerings on top of that. So if you really are going to insist on tithing, that's just the basic. Uh, where's the free will offering? So I don't find any mention of 10% in the New Testament. I find other principles instead. I do find a percentage. There is a percentage in the New Testament, but it's not 10. You can probably guess. It's 100. Right. <laughs> um, and I think this is where we put ourselves in a mess. Once we start from the principle that God has bought, has redeemed us, has bought us back through the death of Christ, then as I think 1 Corinthians puts it in chapter 6 and 7, we are bought at a price and we are owned by God our Father because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And once we're owned by him, then everything we have is surely owned by him too, in a very special way, more than just the fact that he is the creator and owner of everything in the world. And what we're called to do is to follow him. And that sounds to me horribly like 100%. Rather than giving part of our possessions, aren't we good to God? Our role is to steward, to employ, to manage the 100% of everything that we have in his service, some of which will be on, on us. We're, we're, we're not to be killjoys. We're to, we're to enjoy life. We're to, to live. We're to pay. We're to look after ourselves. And then part can be assigned to God's work worldwide. I'm just a bit iffy on the word giving. Andy, can, can I just hesitate on that for a second? Please because, do, yes. Because yeah. giving makes it sound as if we are doing something to, for charity. Whereas if we talk about stewarding or managing, then we're seeing everything we've got, our possessions are God's, and we're to use them in his service for ourselves, for the poor, for spreading good news, for our church. And that's rather a different way of looking at things. Yeah, sure. And in the old days, uh, it was the three T's, wasn't it? Time, talents, and treasure. Yeah. You would give, um, you know, and there was, there was some health, healthy elements to that, but perhaps, as you say, it's not the full picture at all. There was a wonderful book written about 20 years ago um, called Beyond Tithing by Stuart Murray, Stuart Murray Williams. And in that, he argues strongly that tithing is biblical, but not Christian. It's like, <laughs> right. it's like tongue in cheek. It's like tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's his Old Testament, not new. But he ends up with something far more challenging. Uh, if we look at the New Testament, I, I see generosity as a key biblical principle. Uh, and I see ownership as a key biblical principle that, that what we have, everything that we have, is, if we're Christ's, is God's. Now, I realise, can I just say immediately, that there are issues here. If you're, for example, in a marriage where one of, you, one of the partner is not a Christian and one isn't or something like that, or if you don't have the purse strings of your family under your control, that there, are, there are issues. And I fully understand that. This is not 
trying to in any way go against pastoral concern of areas like that. But I do think we need to challenge people much more with realizing that we're bought at a price and that all that we have is God's and we're, to, we, we're being entrusted by him to look after, this goes back to Genesis, but we're being entrusted by him to look after his creation and what he's given. But that's a little bit controversial, I realize. No, that's great. No, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for us to be exploring these things in this way. That's great. John, you wouldn't say you're an expert on stewardship as such, but you are a, a church consultant. I'm sure finance questions must come up. If a local church is struggling in these post-COVID days, what might be some of the approaches they would take to encourage a better mindset that would lead to a better financial situation? Clearly teaching some of the things you've just said would be part yeah. of it. Let, let, let's start with teaching. Um, let's not be shy. Let's, let's actually teach what the Bible says about our possessions and about how we're to use them and steward them. And the, the idea of stewardship that is the correct use of the term, you know, coming back to the New Testament. Jesus, many of Jesus' parables are about stewards. In fact, Jesus talks about giving far more than many other topics. Um, so we've got to get back to teaching, and teaching not about fundraising, but about discipleship. There's a huge difference between oh, the idea that when we come to church, we put some money in a plate as the entry fee for that, <laughs> for what we're coming to. That, that's what it teaches. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then we bring that plate up during the service, perhaps, and offer it as if that is all that's been given this week. Um, linked with that, can I do something very practical and say that if we communicated accounts better, that would, I'm sure, help. Now, what do I mean by that? I don't know what your church accounts are like, but most church accounts run to many pages of, of crowds of figures, all sorts of funds, lots of notes, and most people haven't got a clue what they mean. Uh, and, and the treasurer has this mystique of this wonderful set of figures that mean something. But figures on accounts show annual amounts, and I'm always trying to get churches to show weekly or monthly amounts, because if you've got a church with 150,000 turnover on a year, that's 3,000 a week. Now to say, look at that plate that has been brought to the front. With the standing orders, there is 3,000 pounds in that plate in a week. And people can understand that figure more. Or you might want to make it monthly if people are paid monthly, so they can understand that. We've got to get them to understand what's going on with, with finance in church. So that there's two very opposite ideas, and one is teaching, and I'm sure we've got to do much more on that and not be squeamish about that. And one is then modeling giving in what we do in a, in a service. And some churches now, well, many churches now don't have a, an offering plate going round during a hymn. Thank goodness for that. That's a very peculiar thing to do. Um, but some churches have now gone to the other extreme of just not bringing anything to the front and forgetting about it. Our giving is part of our discipleship and it's part of our worship. And it ought to be celebrated in a service, but in a way that recognises that most of it, for many churches, has come in through standing orders. Well, thank you. That's, and that's a really, I think, some helpful perspectives there, John. Uh, looking more widely, you're a church consultant and trainer. Uh, what are the kind of things that you are consulted about and 
particularly of course how have the last few years been for you because it's been a a rough time for folk in your line of work um i've been remarkably fortunate um uh, when the first lockdown came there was a, there was a, a gap where everybody halted for a bit and i was able to get ahead with some of my writing work because i do quite a bit of writing and getting things so i got ahead of myself in that time since then um training for me has taken quite a hit so i don't do very much training at the moment but consultancy has taken a huge rise so the diary has been packed and is very full for, for some months to come with churches asking me to come in and take an external independent look at how they're organized in some way the sort of things i'm asked to do are you know, staffing structures uh, what, uh, our administration um how do we, we we've grown but we've outgrown our structures help you know what what do we need to be doing so a lot of my work is really just being the outside honest broker having a look in and in one sense i sometimes say anybody can do this because when you're an outsider you spot things that no that are obvious but no insider can see um so there are various things on the website or something like that um, i'm just looking at one consultant church i'm working with at the moment their website is a complete mess of all sorts of different messages which is not are not giving one consistent message obvious but they can't see it they need to be pointed out to them so my, my job is easy in one sense it's just obvious you just say it uh, it does of course have help a little bit to have seen many other churches and been inside many churches we used to have a little phrase which talked about the uh, idiosyncrasy of independency. <laughs> um, uh, but of course, every local church is, even in an Anglican church, which is part of a denomination, can be very idiosyncratic because of its, it talks to itself. As you say, it doesn't see what might be obvious to an outsider. So uh, I guess you'd be encouraging leaders listening to, to think about having external voices from time to time. Yes, but I'm quite overbooked at the moment. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, wasn't, that, that wasn't a suggestion that they needed to, <laughs> to employ um, you, but, uh, I, but you know, to have a voice somewhere. Yeah, I do think there's a need for an external view. And, and, and if you want the biblical pattern for this, it, it's quite challenging, but it's Revelation chapters two and three, mm. because there the seven churches have a, a, a sort of audit. Uh, and it's not very, you know, it's pretty eye-poppingly open um, yeah. about... Yeah, this is you're doing this great you're doing that great but this i have against you hmm. um it's a bit like an ofsted inspection i suppose <laughs> I, I try to be the ofsted inspector but much nicer <laughs> Fair enough. <yes. laughs> but, but there are times where actually there are elephants in rooms in churches and sometimes we need to call those out and that's my my job and very often my job as a consultant going into a church for a short time i say my my role is to walk alongside you in your christian journey for a short time and then retire again um and, and leave you i hope wiser and helped but the the idea of a, of a an accompanier a consultant somebody who can help people realize things that are obvious but they hadn't spotted is i think an amazing privilege 
but also much needed in churches today. John, how's the work of uh, your uh, consultancy changed over the years? It's got more complex. <laughs> when I was a, an operations manager myself in a church, um, policies, hadn't heard of the word. Um, health and safety wasn't an issue. Uh, there's lots of administration in, in the world has become much, much more complicated. And we're having to deal with things. Now, I mean, safeguarding, where was that in, in those days? Um, there are many things, important things, vital things that we must be concerned about. And so my work has got more complex because churches' operations have got more complex. I sometimes joke that um, when I first started off as a church consultant, the, the typical view, I, the typical assignment I got was to, oh, John, come and down. We've just bought a new machine. It's called a photocopier. Have you come across that yet? <laughs> um, and we want to know where to put it in the church office. You know, whereabouts do you think it ought to go? So I would go down and tell them, in that corner there. They would say, great, thank you very much indeed. Um, Okay, that, that may be a caricature, but that was the sort of simplicity of things in those days. Whereas now, I'm looking at issues of structures and staffing and systems that are multi-layered. And, and one of my real roles is trying to find out not what is the obvious problem they've got, they can see that, but what is the problem behind the problem? What is actually causing the problem they can see? Because if you try and solve the problem that's visible and don't solve the, the real issue behind it, you're not helping at all. John, you run a, a course or a gathering, I guess, for particularly administrators or the church operating officer or whatever the language is. Um, the kind of things that they will bring to your gatherings that frustrate them about perhaps about the church leaders listening to this? <laughs> it's just to explain. Um, I used to run something called the UK Church Administrator Network and started that up and, and ran it as a network of people employed as church administrators and operations managers in churches. Um, and that gradually became so big that it took over much, too much of my time. So I spent about four or five years planning a, a transfer and a group of uh, friends who are now directors of that with the same vision as I had for it, took it over about three or four years ago. And they're doing great guns with it now. It's going on far faster than ever I could have changed it and developed it. It's wonderful to see what they're doing. But part of that is, one, one little thing of that is a, is a distance learning course we run with Cliff College for the work called The Work of a Church Administrator, and I still lead the tutor team for that. The sort of things that church administrators, I suppose, the frustrations they have, how long have you got? <laughs> um, give, give, give us the headlines <laughs> the headlines I think one is the expectations of church members um, that they, they can drop into the church office and have a cup of coffee and talk to the administrator who of course has got nothing else to do with their time at all during that day um, so there's, there's that there's issues with ministers um, on employment and management because many ministers don't have never been trained and helped and supported in how to work with an administrator. And if the partnership works brilliantly, it is fantastic because the administrator is there to release the minister for the work 
that they were ordained to do rather than being tied up with administrative things all the time. And for me as an administrator, I'm still an administrator at heart. And for me, the thrill is setting people at the front line free to do God's work because behind the scenes, you're, you're sorting out things that they would otherwise have to sort out themselves. So I think there's frustrations on that. Um, uh, there's all sorts of other things as well. Um, but I think it's, yes, the, the expectations of church members and the, the, work, the relationship working with the minister are two of the top ones. John, do you have things you're doing coming up that you'd like to share? Um, Any courses coming up? Or? Well, I'm, I, I do training for clients. Um, so there wouldn't be... And some, and some of that is, has been online now. Um, so uh, one interesting thing coming up, we're running a, just a, a two-hour session the Diocese of Truro for their PCC secretaries and others on, on minute taking. So this is where I take something like that, which I might have done as part of a training event uh, on, on handling uh, meetings. Uh, now down into a two hour a little bit and, and put through into uh, online training by Zoom. I'm doing some physical training one-to-one and some with one-to-many. Uh, but by and large, the training has been much more online and, and, and like that, which is okay. It's not quite the same as face-to-face, um, but it's better than nothing. John, as we close, I just want to uh, mention your website, which uh, I'd been to before, but continues to amaze me with the breadth of material that you have there, of, of very high quality, if I may say. So um, can you remind us of your website address? And obviously I'm encouraging those listening to this to 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 pop along and and see what you have because it is a a mine of uh, of information andy that's kind of you um the the website address is simply you can just um just google me or www.john-truscott.co.uk if you go to the resources section um part of my work is writing and every other month, I put new resources on there. I'm trying to take a creative look. I'm trying to get excited about administration. It's, it's got a dull image. And my role in life is to, to change that image into something worthwhile, releasing, spiritual, um, energizing. And so I try and write in a way. I, I call myself a champion of creative organization. I hope I'm as creative as I always was, um, even though I'm getting very elderly now. Um, but uh, the resources section of the website has a growing range of resources on it, which I'm writing on all aspects of church operations. I update everything there. People are sometimes ask me why don't I write a book. Um, I'm not into writing books. Um, if you write for websites, for, for, for my own website, you can at least update it every, and I do update every item every two years. So web links get updated. Uh, if, if things have changed, they get updated. If I can think of an improvement, I update it. So every two years, every item, and there's almost 200 items on the site now. But thank you for mentioning it. Well, John, you're a gift to the church. So thank you so much for all you shared today. That was my conversation with John Truscott, church consultant and trainer. Finance may not be your particular thing in terms of your leadership, but it certainly affects us all. And let's heed John's exhortation not to give 10% or whatever percentage it is, but to give 100%. As John said, stewardship is really 
a discipleship issue. It's my joy to bring you conversations every week. There's plenty of others, of course, on archive by going to Premier's website or the podcast platform where you're listening to this. Until next time, this is Andy Peck thanking you for your company. God bless. The Leadership Show with Andy Peck. To get in touch, email andy.peck at premier.org.uk.